0: You are listening to episode two hundred and ninety-one on University of Adversity.
1: Without going into a lot of detail, I mean I had a fucked up childhood. (laughs) There was some pretty crazy scary shit. When you live on the streets and you have nowhere to go and you're doing stuff like that, it's not it's not a fun experience. And you know, the embarrassment because like I was a cool kid, like I had good friends and and I played sports and the free lunch thing and, you know, going to a food bank or somebody seeing your mom, you know, at a food bank or whatever else, it's just, it's tough. And, and by the way, nowadays it's like, then you're embarrassed. And now I go, wow, my mom was doing what she had to do. And there's really no reason to be embarrassed. That was just reality. And that was life.
0: Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. You guys, you're in for a treat today. We had such an amazing conversation with my man, Steve Astafin. He's, this was one of these conversations where I went into it with thinking one way and it went another way. We went down some different roads. It was just, it was awesome (laughs) connected with him right away. I could just tell he's a great dude and I'm super happy to bring this to you guys. He's a little bit about Steve before we get into it. He's the founder and CEO of the family and unlisted brand lab. And basically it's a sports, music, art, and media agency. He's been an agent for a long time and he has some amazing clients right now, such as Machine Gun Kelly, but hasn't always been easy for him. He also, you know, working in that industry, he doesn't get to talk about his story much. And he's really, instead of talking about his clients and, and having to talk about everybody else, he gets to talk about himself he gets to open up and i was really excited cuz he he's just such a genuine nice guy and he opens up his about his story growing up in boston having to be on food stamps and just kind of what what happened how he ended up where he did and how he built what he did and why he did it but what i really love is his his commitment to healing and um well we'll get into it about what that means but you know, we're, there's a lot of similarities to our stories and I just really, really appreciated the value and um, yeah, the conversation we had, it was just such an awesome chat. So if you guys get value from this, please leave us a review. I'd love to hear about how, how it impacted you. And if you feel that someone needs to hear this, share it with a friend. I really appreciate it. And most importantly, I love you guys. Enjoy the show. Here we go, Steve, we made it happen. Welcome to the show, brother.
1: I'm glad it's uh, I'm glad. Thank you very much. Thanks for welcoming. <laughs> I wish I was in Costa Rica with you doing this, but uh this ain't so bad.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's been funny trying to get set up because I did a couple other a couple of interviews in this other spot I was at and it was outside and I was kind of worried about the cause I brought I brought all the little things to hook up and I didn't know if it would work with the Wi Fi. So now I was like, How am I gonna make this one work? So I set it up in this little Airbnb. So it's good, man. But uh yeah. So, I mean, let's kick it off with, I, I always like to sort of check in with, you know, present moment, what's going on in the world, how we've been and just see how it's been for you the last year. Cause I mean, this has been its, uh, its own adversity in itself. So maybe walk us through how the last year, this craziness has impacted you and how yeah. you've been able to sort of navigate through it.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, like, I guess I'm like, I guess there's twofold, one on a business level, one on a personal level. I'll, I'll start with a business level. I guess in a way I got lucky, you know, after 17, 18 years building a company with Casey Wasserman um, as a partner, you know, to go back out on my own, which the original company was the family and then to relaunch the family again, I actually look at it as I got a little bit, you know, again, you make your own luck, sure, but I got lucky um, and I've been blessed to be lucky in that because I think I was planning on almost like my own pandemic, right? You're a startup, you plan on growing. You know you're gonna lose the first year. You may have wins, but you're gonna invest a lot. Invest in surrounding yourself with smarter people, invest in building a team. So when COVID hit, I was actually still in the hiring mode, which would have been the plan either way uh, from a business perspective. So I think one thing it allowed me to do is have the time with my COO, Jacob, and President, and the rest of my team, to focus on building a core team so that when we come out of this, we're kind of hitting the ground running Um, looking back now, I maybe was a little too aggressive because this stupid thing is still going, but, um, from a business perspective, it actually was really good for me. I think, you know, when I look at a lot of, if I was at my old company or a lot of other competitors, they're so lack of efficiency in the sense of their size, not in a bad way, but their size, their office rent and everything else when the pandemic hit, that's just a crusher. And I I just don't even know what I'd be going through personally, because that is still my, you know, I have a lot of family over there still, Casey and Blair and Bart, like, you know, it's 20 year history with a lot of those employees that stayed. And um, it's a tough haul for big companies, I think right now in, in, in our space. So I got lucky on the business side to be able to be a little bit more nimble. My plan going into COVID, why I did this again, is to be a more entrepreneur, but also saw a lack. It, it became the business became globally very transactional and about mass groundswell, grab, 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 and I kind of figured I could cut a little niche out, reverse of what I did originally. You know, originally I partnered with somebody like Casey to grow this big company because the family originally what I struggled in. Back in the 90s, it was like you had to be big to be recognized by brands and athletes and everything else. Now it's like flipped again, in my opinion, that athletes want more personal attention. They don't want to see you in big, fancy offices everywhere. They want to see that you're investing in them, musicians, artists and not looking where their commissions are going to, you know, fancy offices or cars and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of took a big step back. Um, so on a business level, it's been really good. Look, this is lasting longer. And I I think actually our big struggle year is going to be this year. I think I'll have to slow down some stuff. Um, just because I I think, you know, no matter how much gas we're putting on the fire, I feel like someone's putting more water on it as, as I'm pouring gas, um, which is this pandemic and, and what we're going through in the world. You know, I've struggled since I was young and and actually even coming out of the, the childhood I had, which was not easy, uh, being alone, um, being secure, like on the outside, it looks great. Everybody's like, oh, he's such a secure guy and ego, whatever. And like, but on the inside, that definitely wasn't happened. So I know a lot of people, it's cliche, say they did a lot of work. But for me, um, March, April, May was eye opening for me, like learning to be alone. Um, you know, my health and wellness, I've always been a not always in the last 10 years, been really health conscious with like mm. food and working out and everything. But that period of time realized how much more important it was. And I think that's what kept me sane versus a lot of my other friends. I think a lot of people, you know, gained a lot of weight. I was talking to a buddy the other day. He's like, I gave 25 pounds in COVID and it's like, he's still not, you know, it, he's a, but he's in really great shape guy, but just COVID kind of depressed a lot of people. Um, and then come August, to be honest with you, and I was blessed to be up with a bunch of people that I consider family in Gaza Ranch. It's a special place in Coeur d'Alene where there was no COVID, I think, and my son. And so I was doing really well. And then as the summer ended and I was coming back here, um, I went pretty dark space to be totally honest. And I think a lot of people, I took, I think it took a lot for me to admit that, um, I went dark, dark and maybe because I did too much self-work, you know, and I realized, wow, you got some issues still you haven't dealt with um, that were covered up the last 10 years of how busy I was and how everything was going so great at Wasserman and all these like wins and all this sort of stuff. And I think when you take a step back and the silence comes, you start going, Oh shit. Like, and I went, I think I went to find happiness in the wrong places. You know, Uh, I'm, to be, you know, I'm a pretty wear my shit on my sleeve type of guy. Yeah. And so it's not a bad thing for me to say that, like, it's okay now to ask for help. And, you know, recently, even as January 1st, cause it, I think even through Christmas and new years, I was just in a lonely dark space. And although my kids made me happy and, and that sort of thing, I just don't think, I think I was reaching towards, and again, by no means have I ever been a big drinker. I've never done drugs in my life, but even the drink, the wine and stuff. And like, going to Mexico, then going to Scottsdale on New Year's and raging and having, you know, it's almost like that dark beginning. So January 1st, I went sober January, I'm actually considering going into February. Um, And and not in a bad way, but almost like trying to act like a monk in a way of just like no new personal relationships right now. No offense to anybody. I love everybody. But like, just trying to really focus uh, a little bit more on myself so that if I do find a partner or give it that a chance that I can actually be present and secure and, you know, humble into that relationship. So personally, it, if, I don't know if I can swear on this, it fucked me up pretty good. Um, You know, and and to be totally honest, I think a lot of people and a lot of people are hiding it. And I I think I tried to hide it And, and in all fairness, like I really was in a good space. I was telling my staff, like this has been the best thing ever. I'm holding my son's hand on walks every morning, like April, May, June. And then I just think it got, you know it, it just kind of prolonged and then i started to realize what's hitting so it, it's been rough but i'm doing the best i can now for sure yeah
0: you know it's it's been crazy and it's always interesting just to hear kind of the journey that everybody's been on the highs and the lows because there has been a lot of highs and lows for for everybody
1: yeah for you sure know?
0: what are some of the what are some of the tools that you used like what are some of the things that you used to get through those times When you're, when you knew that, oh shit, I'm not, I'm in a dark space. I need to come out of this.
1: I mean, I have therapy. Like I, I, I was a kid that was born and raised being forced by social services and that sort of stuff to go to therapy. So I was super anti forever. And then I realized talking and I have a couple good mentors that aren't therapists, but like I can talk to them. Um, but I still have a hard time, man. I have a hard time, even in front of a therapist who I know is confidential going really deep so, what I did recently is just start writing in a journal. Um, yeah. You know, it's another cliche. I get it. Like, oh, I'm going to start a journal. But, like, yeah, dude I really powerful,
0: am. Powerful, man. Journals are. Yeah. Journal changed my life,
1: too. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been doing it every day now, which is crazy. Handwriting it, of course. Like, people are like, I do notes on my phone. I'm like, the last thing I need is to be on my phone more. Totally so, it's nice. like a little black book next to my bedstand. And I'm excited. Excuse me, I'm excited to look back december thirty first. like I'm not going to give up this time. I know there'll be days that I skip eventually, but like I'm excited to look at that because the more I write it when I go to bed and i and I realized last night I forgot and my brain was going, when I actually write things down before bed, I think I sleep and recover better. You know, like I'm super into this whoop thing now, and like, my recovery and my fitness and my HRV, you know, my heart rate and all that. And you can actually see not only wine or drinking the difference in recovery and how you feel, but also just how like you dump your brain, right? Mm. Um, When you lay down in bed, you, your brain starts going and thinking about these things. But if you write first, you know, again, years ago, I stopped watching TV and my, you know, there's no TV and that sort of stuff because of what it does to your adrenals, your cortisol, all that stuff. But um, I guess the biggest tool for me is uh, is being willing to find tools. And to be honest with you, I still haven't found it. Um, you know, I know that suicide and depression is a big thing during this time, but it was always a big thing. And I, I've unfortunately been involved with a very close friend, and athlete, Dave Mirror, who committed suicide. Um, I know where he was in a space. And it took me a long time to process that. And the way I processed it was almost like, for a man that was the most confident on the outside, secure, badass, covering a rolling stone inside. I, like me, I think we were very similar is why we were so close. Um, and I think I look at what he did as a cop-out to be honest, I can say it now, like your pussy, like, why would you do that to your family and everything? So I think what's kept me going is actually remembering Dave for all the good sure. But also remembering what he was telling me before he did this, like a week before, like, what well, I didn't see it or hear it, but like, I kind of know now. And just the things that he wasn't proud of himself, or he was embarrassed for what he did, and almost the admit of guilt. And so for me, it's probably still some of that process is going back to people and saying, I'm sorry, trying to rebuild some things that are still in my head. Um, And then maybe the ones that I don't think are curable have to just go away forever. Um, But yeah, I mean, I wasn't, it's tough when you, and it's not an excuse. I know a lot of people say get over it, but like when you have the childhood that I had, it's like you reach in different things now and no matter money or success, it doesn't cure it. It really doesn't. And I thought it did. All that did is hide it. Like women and relationships and money and cars and, and this and that stuff, that's just masking it. And I think COVID maybe in a way made me realize that I'm nowhere near where I need to be if I want to be the happy person the rest of my life. So I hope I, hope I get there. I think I will.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, just first of all, unpacking that writing and, and writing and, and, and journaling and that is so powerful yeah. at just kind of getting your stuff on on paper. And I think that's a really, it's a tool that people don't use enough. Yeah. That it doesn't have to be like a a, a cheesy, you know, y kind of kid experience. It's like, it's just getting your shit on paper. Right, and that's sometimes what it is, it's that brain dumping. Is that it's what we need? It's all the chaos, you know, it alchemizes the chaos onto paper. And it's really powerful. And I can really resonate with you like that because for a couple of reasons. Number one is getting off the alcohol. You know, I've been off it for four months and I've struggled with that my whole life. I've worked in bars and you know, nightclubs and all that craziness. So it's it's a slippery slope. And I also can relate with you with, with suicide. You know, I lost my younger brother to it three years ago now or four years ago now already. And it's, it's crazy because you don't know you, a lot of people have moments where they're down. A lot of people have these, you don't really know. You don't think everybody's going to do that. Right. Like there's now for me, it's like when people get into that spot, it almost makes you more concerned. Like, are they going to do that? Or do I have to worry? And it's, Because I didn't think he was going to do that, and 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 you didn't either, right? And and now it's it's scary in a way as well, because we're living in this world where people are trapped in their homes, and they're really being challenged, and that that's scary because a lot of people don't have the tools, and they're going to be forced to face their their shadow and their dark side, and a lot of people aren't they just aren't strong enough. The repercussions of what's gonna go on from so many people going through so many different levels of shit, depending. Right. And it's um it's a it's a scary thought.
1: Yeah, I, I think like for me too, and this is even before the pandemic, is I need to learn still at this age now, and maybe the pandemic opened my eyes to it more, and then obviously being raised where I was and you know, my beliefs, you know, this whole The level of racism in the world right now has also just torn me down you know growing up around mostly black young men and women um i look at everybody as equal but and again i'm not going to say like i'll never know what it's like to walk in a young black man's shoes Mm -hmm. but what i do know is that i've experienced it firsthand that even in a black neighborhood going to a deli and getting served before them you know in a neighborhood where they're and it's just it's at an all time. I always saw it, but like what I see now and what happened at the Capitol building, it just it grosses me out and it makes me like, it, I'm ashamed. And it's like, I have athletes and musicians that look up to me and ask me the question and the point I was going to get to about, you know, Dave's suicide. I'm always on high alert right now. A friend of mine called the other day and it's almost like, why are they calling me? And I understand it. I've accepted this, but they're like, Steve, we need help. This guy, this other athlete is in a dark place and blah, blah, And I don't even represent him. But it's like, I think what I have to do this year, another one of my goals I was writing in my journal, and I hope maybe other people like my mindset, right? We're super competitive. Um, A lot of what I do is ego driven, because I always think the sky is falling, right? I grew up so poor, I never want to go back there. And I know I'll be fine now. But like, you always think the sky is falling the way I was raised, Like, I never want to go back to that dark, that kind of dark place where I don't want my kids on food stamps. I don't want the free lunch for my kids, because that was an embarrassment moment for me when I was young. I didn't embrace that well. But, like, I think part of it is doing this now for 20 years. And the way I do it, I used to look up to a few agents that I mentored. And the part they didn't follow was the addiction in falling in love with your clients and then being my family. And so I was counting the other day, you know, I've been through more divorces than anybody should want to go through. I've been through drugs and rehabs and uh, wins and losses and heartbreaks and all this sort of stuff. And I think it kind of finally is caught up with me. I'm loyal to a fault. I do a lot of things sometimes for other people more than myself. And I don't know if that's like self-destruction. I'm still working through those things. It's like, do I not care about myself enough that I want to just care about other people? There's that famous saying, do as I say, not as I do. It's like, I do so well for all these people advising them. And then I don't do it for myself. Like, And this gets to spending money, to how I live my life, to marriage, to whatever. And it's like, Eventually I have to listen to my own damn advice and wake the fuck up. And I think this is the year to try and wake the fuck up. I keep slipping. We're only 12, what are we 13 days in? You know, I keep slipping back. I see some things that are tempting and this fucking social media world, you know, and it's like part of me wants to get off of it. And I've taken breaks before, but then at the end of the day, also I'm on it because my athletes do stupid shit and I got to see it first. You know, I'm weekly taking down stuff for them. Right. But You know, I think I do need a break at some time from that because of what I'm seeing and, you know, even what I'm regurgitating. And I went private a couple of years ago and it's still it's still all over. So, yeah, I I don't you know, I think there's a lot of people struggling and I I just hope that, you know, for me and I still want to be there for people. And, you know, I just hope people don't. They got to know that we're all here for a reason and that at some point this will get better. And even in the time that it gets worse, there's got to be a reason that you're here. And, you know, I keep reflecting, even when I go dark is like my kids, right? It's like, can you imagine growing up without a father? And all that would be is super selfish. You know, like I say, like, you know, for me, Lauren and and the girls, you know, when that all happened, Dave's daughters, it's like, I, I just, and he was the most incredible dad. He created this whole thing, be a dad, not a fad. But like when you go dark and I learned from the doctors and just talking, I never understood suicide. It's like, it's a split moment. I know a lot of people have thought about this stuff and it's really scary.
0: To be honest, bro. I think everybody's had those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Those thoughts are normal. You know, like I think we, I think that's the, the stigma around it is that it's a bad thing to have those thoughts. Those dark thoughts come, Yeah. you know, like they, they come and, Man, I I had those a lot in my teen years, you know, I've had them a lot, but it's kind of like you, you just observe them and like, huh, that's interesting. And you move on, you know, that things are going to get better, right? I mean, it's, it's just acting on them is a different, whole different thing.
1: Yeah. It's crazy when I had nothing and like even taking a Greyhound bus from Boston to move to Vail, Colorado with like a hundred bucks in my pocket, I never had those thoughts when I was dirt poor and had nothing living in abusive situations and all this sort of stuff. I had no depression, no anxiety. I didn't even find out what a panic attack anxiety is until like 10 years ago. And I still don't have it, but like this year it's back more than ever. So, you know, something's wrong. Right. Mm. But it's just, it's the craziest thing. Like you said, when you're younger or, you know, I don't know. It's just, there's all always times in the moment. And then I found myself yesterday, like driving in the car happy, but like six days ago, January 1st, again, alcohol can have something to do with this too. I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing in this world? I'm, I'm ashamed of myself, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, what the fuck? you know? Yeah.
0: That's the biggest thing with alcohol. It's, it's the, what it, where does it puts your, your state of mind? Yeah. It's crazy. And I've it's, been
1: a big drinker. I never yeah. have been like, even when yeah. I was younger, it's like, it's just, but I think COVID too, it's like you drink or like, you know, my thing was wine is like, there's nothing else to do. Let's have wine. And then all of a sudden you find yourself, you're like, did I just have a bottle of wine? It's like, yeah, that's a week. It's like, and
0: it's like, it's, it's, it's because it's so easy. It's like, oh, it's just wine. They do it in Europe.
1: Yeah. I was literally looking the other day. I don't know. I'm sure when you were younger too, or when I was like clients and I talked to Ryan Sheckler about this, you know, there was a time, you know, he's sober, very long time, super clean, healthy, but there was a time, you know, I used to sit with him, do as I say, not as I do, and be like, dude, you spent a hundred thousand dollars in nightclubs last year, hundred thousand dollars. Like, think about how much money that is after tax, right? You got to make 200 to spend a hundred. And then I was looking back at what I spent, you know, just on clients and as a business, whatever else and laughing. But then this last year, and since COVID, I looked at my wine bill. (laughs) I'd be better off going back to the nightclubs. It's like (laughs) ridiculous because I'm not buying cheap wine. If I kept the quartz, corks, like I I really should have kept them all. It would have been a problem. Yeah.
0: It's crazy, man. I would love if we could unpack your story, man, what it was like for you growing up, if you want to, in Boston. Because, I mean, I know that you had a challenging upbringing, but from those challenging upbringings, bring a lot of, I mean, resilience and strength and all of that to be able to create what you've done. So, if you could, man, I would love if you could. I know you've kind of touched, touched a little bit on it, but walk us through that journey a little bit, man. What was it like for you growing up in Boston?
1: I mean, it's hard. It's like when I explain this story every time it seems to get different and not in a negative way or a positive way or anything. But like, you know, my mom's passed away a very long time now, but it's like I used to to be totally transparent. My my dad knows this. And there's a reason why, like, there, you know, I don't believe anybody's self-made, but Dave and I actually we have self-made tattoos because, you know, I know now and I put no longer above it because. I put no longer about it above it years ago, uh, a few years ago now, um, because a a really close friend of mine, she said to me, do you really think you're self-made now? And it's like, you're right. Like I've been the dumbest one in the room for like 10 years. I'm so blessed for the people that helped me. And frankly, when I look back, it's even the person that put me on the Greyhound bus, my grandmother, to the person that let me live in an apartment with nine people in Vail when I got there, to the person that gave me the rental space and that sort of stuff. So it I think I used to do like pity me, but at the end of the day, without my childhood, I don't know that I'd be where I am. And, you know, so yeah, I grew up, my parents divorced when we were young. Um, I'm the oldest five boys, two sisters, two girls, um, step you know, and, um, they did, you know, my parents, my dad was, um, he's a hard ass, you know, he hitchhiked from 18 years old. He's the oldest at 13 from Canada to Massachusetts worked for the water company, you know, factory worker, um, not a lot of money and, uh, you know, drove the Zamboni on the side, did a bunch of society, worked in a grocery store in the fish market. The guy was a grinder. I mean, I got that from him. He worked three jobs sometimes. Um, my parents, my mom never worked, uh, after she had so many kids, she was a nurse. She went to nursing school. My mom actually grew up in a kind of a mid range type, uh, middle class. Her dad, on Owned uh, my great my grandfather. Sorry, I never met him. He died before I was born. Um, my grandmother was a big part of our lives. She supported my mom and I when things got really tough. They divorced. Um, we all went to live with my mom. My dad bolted. Uh, we tried Maine for a while. Um, we literally lived in a car for times. Uh, we went to food banks. My mom was a woman who now I I, I respect how hard she worked in the sense of us like her health, we still don't know why she passed away. Um, they think it's because, you know, we never had like medical problem, medical care. And so when we got sick, when she got sick, she just laid in bed or tried to get better herself. she never, we never could afford to get her help and she didn't have insurance. She really just cared about us. So we all, she always made sure. And I used to think you're lazy. I used to really take it out on her as the oldest, you know, saying, why aren't you working? And she said, the Lord would provide, she was a very heavy church, really, really heavy in the church. And I know now growing up that like, oh, wait, why wasn't my dad helping? You know, why wasn't my dad there? So my answer as the oldest was at a young age to go live with my father and I went to live with my father. And although he's never drank and been an alcoholic, like his, his father, my grandfather in Canada, um, he did pick up the abuse fact and my dad beat the shit out of me. It's just the way it is. And he never thought I would become something um we've broken bread now we're good we broke bread at a wedding <laughs> which wasn't the right place to do it um for my brother in my backyard actually a few years ago but uh you know my stepmom and him were tough on me um very abusive um so i actually moved out like i was on my own basically at 16 uh never finished high school um gotten some trouble i was definitely stealing and doing some stuff i shouldn't do to survive and and then, you know, God bless, again, my grandmother, my mom's mom, who really was supporting us. She, you know, always made sure my mom, even when we were in the car situation, she would do everything she could. She depleted all her money on us, really. Um, and even with welfare and everything, it wasn't always good. So, you know, we bounced around the Boston suburbs a lot, too, or my mom did. Um, mainly because you know, low-income housing became available or the church would find a location. Ultimately, they all ended up in uh, Maine more, my mom and my brothers and sisters. Um, I had already then split and stayed in Boston and then moved to Vail. So in 88, um, I basically, my grandmother gave me a, round, a one-way ticket on Greyhound bus um, from Boston to Vail, Colorado. And the way I got there is in the summers, I was bartending, bar backing at my age, couldn't bartend. I kind of an underground shitty bar in, um, old orchard beach. And I had a girlfriend, um, whose family was okay. And I actually lived with them trying to go to school for a bit. And I met a guy named Ray a Rastafarian kid that loves skiing in the summer. He worked in the bars on the beach and in the winter he was in Vail. And he said, I know you love skiing. And I had fallen in love with skiing through boys and girls club. And then through some friends, again, always blessed to be around good people through sports, through football or through whatever meeting families, um, and so I was able to ski. My mom, actually, when I got in a lot into it, my mom actually worked at the daycare center at Sugarloaf in Sunday River, Maine, so that we could get free skiing. Um, so I, I got to be a pretty good skier, and I wanted to go out and try to be a pro and try and be a ski bum in Vail. So moved out to Vail, and um, you know, after a pretty tough tough city living in childhood, Vail was like, wow, where do all these yeah. fur coats and amazing people come from? And uh, that's where it all started. Growing up the way I did, I think to your point, it's like when I figured out that Ace Hardware didn't take receipts for tools we stole, <laughs> it's, it's a business, right? It's like these are the things that we did in the streets, in the street smart, they say street smarts, but like you're either an entrepreneur day one. I, I do believe you're born with this skill set to sell, to market, to to be on your own, to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, for all, all the messed up stuff I did when I was younger and again, I'm still dealing with that apologizing. And and I wasn't a good person. I wasn't a good person to my mom. I wasn't a good person to society. Um, yeah. So I'm doing the best I can now, I guess, but it, it was a tough, tough upbringing for sure. The abuse is definitely, I've never hit my, never even touched my children and I don't drink big. So it's like, you, I guess it all, you, you learn things. I think the, the bad thing I got from both my parents is like, I, I, and not a bad way, you know, like, you know, I haven't been great in relationships. Um, like I said, I was alone so much when I was young. Maybe that's why I'm still. I always want people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still working through that childhood stuff. And and I've had some really good friends be like, "Get over it." Like we've all. There's a lot of people that had rough childhood. And it's like, I'm trying. But like, without going into a lot of detail, I mean, I had a fucked up childhood. <laughs> there was some pretty crazy, scary shit. When you live on the streets and you have nowhere to go and you're doing stuff like that, it, it's not. It's not a fun experience. And you know, the embarrassment, because like, I was a cool kid. Like I had good friends and, and I played sports and, um, you know, the free lunch thing and, you know, going to a food bank or somebody seeing your mom, you know, at a food bank or whatever else, it's just, it's tough. And, and by the way, nowadays it's like, then you're embarrassed. And now I go, wow, my mom was doing what she had to do. And there's really no reason to be embarrassed. That was just reality. And that was life. Um, but when you're young, it's like, you're embarrassed, like the free food, you know, the lunch ticket or a wick when you go in the grocery store or something like that. And, you know, I regret, I wish I could have said, I was sorry to my mom. She, we didn't have a relationship. And when she passed, it, it was too late. And I think that's why with my dad having cancer twice now and doing stuff like that, that I'm at least trying to forgive him. And, you know, it's scary still for me because when I found success, he was telling the world, you know, all his factory buddies and everything. My, my son's a badass. And it's like, wait, weren't you the one and my stepmother telling me I'm a loser and I'll never become anything and I'm a waste and I'm going to be in jail. So now you're taking credit. So mm-hmm. I do hold that again. Look, I wouldn't say this on a podcast if I haven't said it to his face. Like yeah. he was not a good father, period. So. Yeah, And I have a father in my younger, my older kid you know, again, you learn, but like my son and I, Jet and I, it's the best relationship ever. And I won't, I won't do anything to sacrifice that. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's not easy. There's, there's a lot of shame and guilt with our pasts. Right. But I I really think the man, I, I feel it all the time, but the only way we can really feel better in the present is to just he is to just forgive ourselves for the past it's it's harder it's easier said than done but fuck man it's that forgiveness for who we were is so key and moving forward because we relive that story over and over again about this person that we were and it's just like behaviors it's It's almost like
1: I my behaviors in a different way Yeah. Like my, but then was maybe stealing or beating some or fighting and blah, 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 blah. And now I take that intensity into business and it's not where I want to be. You know, I've made a lot of mistakes even in the last 20 years in business because of my mindset of like fight anti, you know, instead of letting people in me fighting them or telling them to lose it. You know what I mean? And it's like, like you said, it's you have to forgive yourself in order to move on. And I'm really hoping this is a big year for me for that.
0: You know, one of the main reasons why I'm in Costa Rica is I'm going to do ayahuasca.
1: <laughs> so, like, about that. <laughs> because so,
0: of many of the healing, the deep healing, you know, like that I know that I need in my life. So it's funny that we're talking because...
1: I'm yesterday, thinking- <laughs> this came up in two days ago. I was at lunch with my <laughs> client, um, Machine Gun Kelly, and his girlfriend, he's dating Megan Fox. And, and I was on my way up there. And so, like I told you, like therapy has been, I haven't dedicated all the time, but I've definitely spent some money and I've definitely committed to it. And even my therapist, like he, <laughs> they're usually super anti. Um, so I refuse to do pharmaceuticals. I just, I, I hate drugs. And I saw growing up dealing, like doing bad things with that. I saw what it did to people, even weed, what it did to people. Mm. And I just, I just can't go there. So that whole ayahuasca thing was scary to me. And like two weeks ago, right after my January 1st thing, I have a really good friend, Taylor, who's done it. A lot of athletes have done it, whatever. And then I had talked to a certain CEO, which I won't name, who if you met him, you'd be like, there's no way that guy's done ayahuasca. And he said it. he had an incident when he was younger. And I know he grew up in a good life, but that definitely messed with him. And therapy wasn't happening. And I think in order to get my dark, dark demons to your point, Um, basically three days ago, I committed to the same thing. So I'm scared. Wow. Shaman, the shaman, like it's kind of like, you,
0: man, that's awesome. Well done.
1: Uh, Yeah. But it's scary for me. Right. A guy that's never done like that, but also, you know, I've heard some scare, like, I don't, I am so competitive. So ADHD, so controlling. I really got to do some prep work before. Like there's a place term, you know, I told you about in Costa Rica, Rhythmia, rhythm, rhythmia. I, I I'm
0: going, I'm going to Soltara. Okay. Which is, yeah. Which is like, you know, they're both the best.
1: Yeah. He yeah. talked about that one as well. Yeah. Um, and they talked about multiple days and then I was like, Oh, well, what if I just try it one day first? <laughs> and then I was thinking like, you know, and I'm not afraid to admit this it, it, once again is like, I think a big part of why I'm cleansing right now, I think that'll be key. Cause I know people like, I think that can affect you if you're like alcohol, I don't want to be throwing up, For you sure. know, or stuff. So, I think if there's ever a time, it's going to be the first week in February is my goal um, to set this up. But I do think I'm retracting, although Kel and some other people that want to do it, they're like, no, we got to go to the jungle with the jungle. I just maybe think still I won't let go as much. I'd like to maybe just do like a Joshua tree with one other person that I really trust or something in the shaman. And, and try it, but I'm all in, man. I'm gonna do it. I've I've talked to people that just say it changed their life. From Navy SEALs that hug people now that only yeah. want to do it, kill people to CEOs to everything. And man, if I can wake up from that and not and be zero ego into insecurities and all the sort of things that I think from what I'm told does it. And I don't know if you've done it before. Or maybe I'd love to hear what you're hearing and from experiences, but. I'm all in. I, I, I'm gonna try it. I'm scared Dude, shitless. That's awesome.
0: Though. I'm excited for you. I um, I've you know, I've been on the the journey for. I've I've done a few different psychedelics. Um, okay. Bufo five meo DMT. I've done um, psilocybin, and you know, sometimes it's hard to put your finger on what it's actually healed. But for me, when I start to notice that that love and self-compassion for myself and acceptance of my story that I didn't have before. That's when I know things are working because I, you know, I'm very hard on myself. I beat the shit out of myself about the things that I've done. My dad's gone, what I could have done. Same stuff, man. Like relive it over and over again. And I really think that that acceptance is so important. And what these medicines do is from my understanding is it brings out those things trapped in our subconscious mind that we keep bringing into our lives. And it, it allows them to be I'm really, <laughs> really be brought out because we can't access them. I mean, you can if you do deep, deep breath work and you're consistent and you do Kundalini yoga. There's a lot of ways you can do it, but sometimes we need help. And I think with ayahuasca, what's powerful is that it's uncovering those, those deep rooted traumas. In our sub in our subconscious and bringing them into light. And Yeah, we will have to face them. We'll have to face them. It's going to be hard, but then once we face them and love them and accept them, then they don't have the power over us. I mean, I'm by no an expert. I'm just I'm still learning. Like I, I'm going next week, so I'm on the cleanse right now. I can't have any coffee. This is, this is my first. This is my first interview without any
1: caffeine. It's been four days. So, it's gonna re, it's the, so I'm going to do the no alcohol, but the coffee. I it's. I 10 years I, I made a conscious decision. I don't really have <laughs> sugar. I don't have soda. Yeah. I'm gluten-free. Free, but I've cut out the alcohol. But then the coffee is going to be the tough migraine and stuff. So I think it's, it's, a week, it's right? A week before, maybe no coffee is it's the goal. It's tough. I would
0: recommend go tea for a week of two weeks before. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then, you know, for me, I just gone cold turkey, and I've I've never I haven't gone off caffeine since I was 18. I'm 37 yeah. now, so. I'm actually feeling okay, I you know go for a run on the beach, I just slam water, try and just get that body yeah, hydrated yeah, but yeah. yeah, man, it's um
1: I can't wait to hear. we'll have to do a recap <laughs> yeah. both of us afterwards, but yeah man I, I, I would love yeah. to do that. I think everything you said is what I heard, and my buddy Taylor, um, who's done it quite a bit and brought some other athletes and executives to do it with his shaman, um, I'm pretty confident. I brought him to lunch with with dre and kells and and Megan and I and we talked about. I talked about it a lot. Um, Colson MGK and and his longtime uh, friend and manager also uh, Dre are, you know looking to start a mushroom company, right? Cause in a couple of years, you know, and they really believe in it. I mean, Kells is a great example. I mean, he's off alcohol. He's done every drug in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Number one album, huge actor, all that pressure. And, you know, even for me being involved with him and managing him, I was listening to his music, you know, number one, album. I've listened to it for a year. Right. And then it's crazy on January 1st listening to it in a different way and actually attaching my thoughts. There's several songs that I now see where he was too, where I am, right? Mm. Where his relationships, how bad, you know, he, before Megan and then, you know, drugs and alcohol and suicide. Like he admits like this album saved his life. I mean, he was suicidal Mm. and he was doing a lot of crazy shit. And, you know, for him now, like, he's already going to go places he's never, I mean, he's just come a long way in the 10 years I've known him. I've only worked for for him and with him for a year, but I've known him and, and he's just an unbelievably creative, amazing person. And now I think finding real, real love and finding this spiritual side and saying like, you know, I don't need weed, I don't need this. Well, maybe we, but the ayahuasca or the mushrooms and the creative side of that, you know, he's grateful to have that time because they weren't always close. So like you said, it's like, what was me? There's a lot of people, you, me, everybody that we all have issues. Um, And I think the more people talk about it, I think we can all help each other, you know? And because the shiniest people that I would say like, oh, look at that diamond, really shiny. It's like, let's see what's really inside the core of that diamond. Maybe it is not as pure as we all think. And Mm. yeah, so I'm excited. The ayahuasca thing is gonna scare, it's scary for me. I wanna be able to let go. And I'm just gonna do the best I can. But I think like you said, I've got some deep, deep shit that therapy is just not gonna and, and I don't have the time to do all that bre- you know, because I yeah. still do have a job. I'm an entrepreneur, I have a new business, I have family, you know. Yeah. So if I can kick this out, I'm pretty excited.
0: Well, it's exciting because you know they'll you'll it'll definitely it'll rock you, but it'll change you and the people around you we'll be curious. And I think it's, I think it's huge, man. And well done because it, it's, it takes a lot of courage <laughs> and Still it brings, freaked out. It just brings me that. to another point is that, you know, that's the thing in the sports world, in the music world, anybody that makes it, a lot of them don't have the tools to get through the, like a lot of them don't develop the mindset tools or, or a lot of the things to get through some of those dark moments. And that's why you see so many suicides in the past. You know, I, I played hockey growing up, so, you know, I've been talking to guys, I'm going to have more guys on the show as well about, you know, the enforcers and the, the guys that play the tough guy roles and they get these head injuries and, you know, end up killing themselves because a lot of people don't have the tools once they get to that place. And whether it be with drugs and alcohol in a different industry or not, it's like, "Oh shit, I've made it, I'm successful now my brain is all fucked up. now how do I get out of this?" And I think plant medicine or psychedelics can be really useful in that way to kind of clear out and give yourself some a fresh a fresh powdered snow to create that, those new neural pathways because I think we get stuck, and I mean that's not the only tool, but I think like a lot of people, and, and this is where this, this is going to, is the question for you is like, a lot of people I feel are lacking those tools. So what do you see and what have you seen in the industry itself about how people get through this shit? And especially even now with COVID and everything, like what have you witnessed in general? And what is the general consensus of like the skills and people, do people have these or are they lacking them?
1: So once again, just always blessed to be around the best people by default. Like even yeah. when I opened the first snowboard shop with no money in Vail, Colorado it was because of people I've met. Um, and I would say this, so twofold, what you mentioned, athletes like us, you know, entrepreneurs business, same thing is athletes wake up one day and they're done. So when you're competitive, like we just talked about when you your child and you're running and it's like your brain's going and you're focused on other stuff, you don't have to deal with a lot of these issues, yeah. right? And then, like Dave, what had happened when he retired? Yeah. He went and searched to be a boxer. Then he did Ironman. Then he did this and he did this. Why? Because you continue to search for that buzz, for that adrenaline, the head injuries. You know, he definitely had a lot of head injuries, maybe CTE and the depression and all that sort of stuff. So I look at hockey, football, basketball. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Even if it's non-contact, what I'm praying and I want to continue to preach is that near the end of your career, whether it be business or whether it be as an athlete, especially or for sure athletes, what I'm trying to really groom them is post career. Now, Mm. how are you going to handle not being the superstar? How are you going to handle not having something to do every day? Most of these people, I have athletes that retired 30, 32. You have half your life left and that's when depression, anxiety, and everything sets in, no matter how much money you have. I've seen it. Dave never has to work. God, thank God he left behind a legacy for his wife and kids who never have to work. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure the girls will, but you know what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, it's not money. You've got to keep your brain going. And I look at the list of athletes that are taking pills to get rid of depression or still searching for that high or that buzz, in my opinion, because of a gentleman, if you want to look him up, Dr. Juvet is an incredible human being. He works with a few of my athletes now. He's worked with athletes all over the world with Navy SEALs. Once again, I love, you know, even Ayahuasca, when I hear from a Navy SEAL what it did, because I know what they go through. By the way, just like not walking in someone else's shoes, I will never really know, but I'm close enough to know what they really do and what they do for this country and what they go do some crazy stuff, right? And then for them to come back and live a normal life through Dr. Jouvet and maybe some plant medicine, that to me is the answer. And I think there's other Dr. Jouvet's in the world, but Dr. Jouvet to me, that's the like that's a big part of the answer. It's like the sooner I can introduce, the second I hear an athlete go, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Even if it's small, it's like, okay, build a relationship with right now with Dr. Jouvet. And even if it's only a short-term session and he's intense, the first session with him is like 12 hours. Mm. The very first one, it's a deep dive. But I've seen him currently with an athlete I have right now that went through probably one of the worst injuries ever in the sport, mentally checked out, you know, just a mess and, you know, definitely depressed and crying where he is now because of the commitment. We tried Gervais once and he wasn't all in. When you're not all in, it don't work. Mm. Then he went all in and it's like, he's whether he ever wins again or not. And I'm sure he will. He's coming back this weekend. But what I will say is he is in the most amazing mindset he's ever been in spiritually, mentally, that I know he can handle whatever comes now. If he has to retire this year at 26, he'll retire and he'll be fine. Mentally, who gives a shit about the money? Yeah, he'll have money. But I just know where he is spiritually. And by the way, you know, even him in the off season discussed, you know, he, he took some, you know, mushrooms and stuff. Like just, yeah. he needed something to get the demons out of his brain. And it's, just becoming be a,
0: it's, it's becoming a common thing, man. Like it's, 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 it's helping people. Yeah. It's getting out those, it's just rewiring yeah. all that shit.
1: So in my mind, The last few years to it, you know, cause I've been anti-drugs my whole life, like weed, you know, even people like, yeah. my doctor, like, Oh, weed's okay. It's like, no, it's not, you know, but now yeah. I got go, okay, there's more research. And mm. Hey, if it, if this is what you need to survive or to actually live a more prosperous life, then I have to support it. It's interesting.
0: It's, it's really having that conversation of, I think it all gets tied into the recreational drugs. I think everything gets thrown in the same bucket, yeah. but alcohol, Coke, all that party drugs, uh, is, and, and they can all be abused in, in, in the recreational form. But if you use psychedelics and plant medicine as, you know, in a therapeutic setting, set setting is everything. It's a completely different, it's a completely different ballgame.
1: Oh, I couldn't, like, I just recently, unfortunately, my daughter had to go through and she, again, not a drinker, not alcohol or drugs, but, um, anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. and is on a certain pill that other than alcohol, this pill is the only thing you can die from in the detox. That's how crazy big pharma is. 21 year old girl walks in to a doctor in Utah. She was living in Utah. I'm depressed. I have anxiety. Oh, take this. Yeah. And now I'm in, now I have her in detox. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. Think about that. When I checked her in last week, week, think about the woman saying, Hey, just so you know, other than alcohol, this is, that's how bad alcohol is. Yeah. But, but think about this, but you're not going to hear that about mushrooms or ayahuasca or anything like plant medicines and that sort of stuff. But so we all look, and this was me too. We look at weed or psychedelics or whatever else. And we like bad, 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 like sell those to druggies, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But really it's fucking pharmaceuticals. It's, yeah. it's Xanax, it's Vicodin. It's, you know, all these crazy antidepressant pills. And like, it's the hardest thing for me to say, but it's like, after my experience with this, I may even just have my daughter go, hmm. you know? And I'll, I know it's going to be scary for her, but like, cause she's super anti-drugs <laughs> And, you know, that's sort where of, she's scared of them, but then, but it's okay to pop the pill. Well, it's because yeah. it's the most addicting thing in the world. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. I'm very anti-pharmaceuticals too, because my younger brother was on some stuff because of his depression. And then he ended up, you know, making the choice, you know, to,
1: to do it did. Was, and he was running, he was doing an Ironman on, you know, wow. a water bottle. Yeah. That's of a hero, like a machine he was.
0: Yeah, it's it's a very important conversation. The problem is what I think is going to happen is as they start to become more common, people are going to abuse these medicines and then you're gonna hear stories about, oh well, this person took this and then whatever happened, but it's because they did it in a way that I mean, if you take anything in a in a way and you go and fuck around and, and have you don't respect it and you go drive a car well yeah of course you're gonna get the, you're, something's gonna happen right yeah. like that's the problem is like i you know from where the, the pattern that i see in society up until now it's like as soon as it gets mainstream and people start to really talk about it they're gonna want to squash it somehow like it's gonna yeah. be like that is oh, the this, other thing. yeah you know? i mean it's
1: like think about what you're doing you're going to costa rica if i did it'd be in my comfort of my home where i'm not leaving the whole weekend or going to joshua tree yeah, I am worried that, you know, what I started to hear this summer from some executives in LA and very wealthy, successful, like I'm microdosing every day. And it's like, okay, now is this an outlet or is this like, you know, so that scares me a little bit. You're right. It's like, it becomes too much the norm versus, mm. wow, this can really heal people and be special and that mm. sort of stuff. So, you know, it's like coffee, it's anything. If you abuse it, it's not good for you. So That's right. People take that into consideration for sure.
0: Yeah, man. It's uh it's a, it's so important to talk about this stuff because at the end of the day we're all struggling.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it feels good to talk you know? about it. So, yeah. These are
1: some of the things I don't even talk about that often. And I think yeah. if we did the podcast before you can't we canceled the first time, yeah. it wouldn't be as easy to be like, hey, this is me going forward. The more I can share, because I feel like it's even when like People know me, or you know, twenty years in this business now. Like, it's not like I'm not known by people in the sports or music or whatever. It's like they see something else. Like, I don't know how many people are like, "Oh, he grew up as a trust fund kid." It's like you don't even know me, idiot. Like, and that took me years, right, to get over the what we call haters or whatever. Like, I was at a dinner once with like twenty people, and this guy was talking about me. I've never met him in my life. And a friend of mine's like asked if it and said my last name. Passed the ketchup, and the guy's wife got embarrassed. He got embarrassed. The wife left. Like the world is just so full of hate yeah and it's like when you're successful or you do something good or you set an industry or you do something and so now it's like you know what i got to get over all that which i did years ago not caring about what other people think of me i know that i'm doing the best i can right now in this moment and i'm only going to try and get better
0: how did you get through that though because that's tough that's what we're going through. everyone goes and through on social media
1: you know, what's crazy is it, it not only, it beat the shit out of me and I'll tell you why it's like, I'm a pretty emotional guy. Anyway, my, my, my ex-girlfriend who is, you know, as she says, she got the best Steve, uh, we're still best friends. I mean, she's the best thing that ever happened to me because she never took my shit and grew up similar in the hood. You know, she
0: yeah,
1: she definitely grew up a rough childhood and would just be like, stop, you got to work on yourself or whatever it may be. And, you know, she was, it was special to me to realize I kept getting better, but also to realize that like, you know, it does hurt, you know, it hurts when people say, by the way, even if it, there might be stuff true. Like I said, I wasn't always the person. I wasn't always proud of myself or my decisions. Mm -hmm. I made really, really poor decisions. I thought the right thing to do was to hide it and just be there. But then when you realize what it does to cheat on somebody, then I realized, well, no, you should have ended that first and then started this relationship. But like, mm. I regret every day, but I can't take it back. Yeah. I was just insecure and a coward to go face that first and then go over here. And to your point, the things I've heard, that dinner table probably woke me up because it was happening for a long time, right? Is like, you know, when you're, when you come in an industry, you know, my first industry, now we're in, I'm in NBA, golf, as you know my history, I'm in everything now, but you know, I was the first agent in action sports. Nobody like I brought deals from 50 grand to a million dollars, like a Dave Mira, Travis Pastrana, Kerry Hart, Ryan Sheckler. You know, when you come into an industry and you do that, there's going to be haters, right? Now there's a ton of agents in my industry, but in 98, there was nobody. It was me. I was the first agent ever in the space and people talked a lot of shit,
0: Yeah,
1: um, but they didn't know me. And so maybe part of that made me live up to that a little bit. Like, okay, you're going to say that, then I'm going to be a dick and I'm going to be this and that, you know? And then like that dinner that night where that guy was talking about me in a negative way, for sure. And his wife had no idea. And I was sitting there and it's because he really didn't know me. I went, holy shit, you can't control this. Like, there's nothing you can do. So at that point on, I was like, look, if that's what people are going to think of me or that's what people are going to say, if I know in my heart, Issues I have, which I still am facing, but also sleep good at night knowing I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Then I can get through all the haters and the hurtful thing. But there was times the stories I heard about like what I did to this athlete or what I did to this whatever. It's like, God, that hurt because this is my family. Like, have I made mistakes? Sure, but like I have issues too. Like, I'm not perfect. You know, it's like you're beating me up over something. And then it would really, I'd go home and I'd cry for hours on end. And it, it it really fucked me up for a while. Um, And then even, you know, while the business got really big and everything looks really great on the outside and I was flying around in private jets and living the high life at, you know, my last business, you know, still again, that's just masking a lot of hurt. And it got to the point because of my new relationship and some of the stuff that was going on there is once again, it's like, why do people care so much about my life? And that, that took me time to realize too, that the reason they're saying something, like maybe I posted something on, on Instagram. Once again, I'm private. And they say like, oh, that's inappropriate. You're hugging your girlfriend, but your hand's over her boot, you know, and it looks inappropriate. Oh, I've God. had people like, now that means you screen grabbed that. And that means you started sharing that to people. Like you have that much hate in your soul yeah. to go do that about something, whether you like me or not. Like that destroyed me. And it put me on the, right? I grew up in the streets. Like, I'm going to fuck you up. Put me on the, the, the offense, right? Like, I'm going to go find this person that's talking shit. And I'm going to fight them. Yeah. Well, you can't do that anymore either. You can never do that. But that's not the solution. The solution for me now was to realize, wow, I really feel bad for that person. They're hurting. And they're, that's why they're doing this. And it happened with an employee years ago that left me and talked so much shit about me. Like this woman, this person I respected so much and looked up to her and when left figured competition, right? I'll do this. I'll say this. He doesn't care about his kid. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do this. And that'll win the competition, which by the way, you should never say, cause that makes no. you look bad. It does. Yeah. And then how crazy is this five years later, whatever it was, comes back and works for me. People <laughs> were literally, even my partner going, what are you doing? Hiring her? She's fucking incredible. She's amazing at what she does. I shouldn't hold anything against her. But you know what I realized a few days later from a mentor going, dude, how amazing for her to be able to walk back into your life and say, you win. I want to join you again. I want to join you. After everything she said. Wow. You know what that is? She did work. Not me. Like she did work. To have the balls after everything you said about me, you hated me and all this sort of stuff, to come back and work for me and with me. Yeah. And it's you know what I mean? That That's, took some. So when people started asking me going, Steve, how did you do that? I go, no, no, no. How did this person do that? Like the, the pride they had to swallow and the ego. Cause everybody that heard that stuff about me knew, knew the person was coming back to work for me. Can you imagine what that took? So for me again, it was like, I looked up to that person for that reason. I didn't shame them or anything. I was like, wow. Not only would I hire you back anyway, cause you're incredible, but wow the fact wow. that you can walk into me or call me and say i want to come back after everything you said about me which again you were insecure just like i've been yeah it has
0: nothing to do with you a lot idea. of
1: like <laughs> so i don't no. know, rambling a little bit because no, this stuff it's, is, is important
0: it says but a lot about your character though like about being able to because not a lot of people people will hold on to that resentment for so long and that person's not feeling that resentment It's like the saying, like, it's like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's the same thing. It's like if we can understand that, is that first of all, if somebody's talking shit, they're the ones that are hurting. It has nothing to do with us. And 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 if you're able to see that and you're able to forgive them and just understand that they were fighting something and to see that they've come a long way and now they want to come back. Dude, not many people can do that. So well done for that because like that's got to be one of the hardest things because people hold on to the, their ego is so strong. They're like, "Oh, you said this 10 yeah. years ago." Right years ago. here, you know. Yeah. Right? But that's that's really what it is. It's like forgiveness. It's like everybody's struggling and we've all been there. And I think it's the willingness that, you know, people, you know, if people I know people have had to forgive me for things, I've had to forgive myself for things, and now I see that in other people. I feel like the more you kind of learn about yourself and you forgive yourself and let yourself off the hook, the more your ability to see that in other people also. Yeah. Right. The compassion, the empathy.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, man. This is uh this has been a great conversation. I'm I'm really excited for you. I'm super grateful we connected.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't wait to hear about your experience Yeah, dude. Not- no, yeah, I don't know the what tea day the second one. to see and mother, <laughs> kids, it's like going to be, the more I re- research, I'm a little freaked out, but yeah. So I, I think, think for me, if it, if it comes out and I can learn from it and then maybe pass it on how I'm learning about it. And then also just, you know, does, I mean, part of me, I know you're from Canada. I wish I was in Canada probably right now. Uh, you know, as you know, I'm, my whole family, 13 uncles and everybody's Canadian, Nova Scotia. It's just sad what's going on in America right now it really is. And it's not just the pandemic, it's everything else. So all that is doing is adding more to this. Like I was saying to someone the other day, it's like, we all grew up or we say to our kids, like, you don't know how I grew up. I walk uphill both ways to school, all this sort of stuff. My son's going to wake up and be like, I lived in 2020, like, or 2021. Like, it's like, that's the new saying, like, holy cow, like what, what's going on? yeah, with business and, you know, just blessed to be around the most incredible athletes and, you know, partners and staff and everything and doing what I'm doing. And I know we're going to keep grinding and and have a lot of fun doing it. But the thing that I really want to spend more time on is, you know, it's like doing podcasts or interviews about sports and music. One thing is like things like this are where I hope people can listen. and, And if they just got something out of it versus talking about business all the time or talking about, success and wins it's like sometimes it's good and good hats off to you to talk about like the the negative because there's a lot of people maybe that can't go to therapy or they're embarrassed or whatever it's like you and I just did a full fucking hour of therapy so it's like dude hats off to you for doing it
0: thanks man I mean this is like this show is like therapy for me and I never realized it would be it it really has been you know it's it's completely changed my life because I get to have these conversations and the conversations always surprise me how they turn out. You know, yeah. you go in one way and they come out another. It's just like, wow, it's fucking magic, you know? But uh yeah, dude, I, I will definitely get another one on. I, I want to hear, we'll, we can share stories about, we'll do a special yeah, yeah. healing we,
1: episode. Yeah. In March, we come <laughs> back, everything's different. It's funny, like <laughs> I just shaved for the first time in like nine years. Like I, during COVID, I had this beard down to here. and my hair was to here. my beard, it was like, I swear I was chasing around Wilson, the volleyball from Castaway. Like I was that guy. And then everybody's (laughs) like, January 1st, you share everything new, you knew it's like, no, I just felt like it's like, it's not trying to be that cliche. It's more just like cleansing everything. It's like that hair, this has been part of me for seven years, but also during COVID. It's like, if I could just start over, it's going to feel so much better in every way. And it's like, it's not for any reason just to like, Start to have the things like I look in the mirror saying, OK, you promised yourself change or keeping that journal by my bed to say you promised you'd write in that or health and wellness, whatever it may be. And so, you know, the message you're sending to if we can keep all doing little bits, it should equal a mass storm of, you know, just better people in the world and hopefully happier people. I, I, I you know, yeah, man. suicide is it's just not good or depression, anxiety. I can't imagine how many people are going through it.
0: Yeah. No, it's true. It's uh it's 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 tough and I think, you know, yeah, I mean this is what creates the positive change and the ripple. So we've got to just keep keep doing it. If you could leave everybody with one takeaway message, usually I ask what is one lesson that adversity has taught you. But really feel free to sort of whatever you feel the Listener out now, after hearing this conversation, if you want to send away a message involving your story, involving what you're going through, what would that message be?
1: Um, it's funny, like every podcast in a different way wants you to finish. I'm always like, I'm going to prep for the last question because I know where it'll go. And then, so this one, I, you know, I, I don't know for, for me what I'd want to leave is that, um, if and I mean this in the most sincere way, I know a lot of people have issues, but for me to come from where I came from to where I am now, we do have a life to be grateful for, even during a pandemic, even during a terrible race time of racism. Um, there is a lot of reason to live. And it, if, you, if you accept that, there's a, there's a real reason to enjoy the way you live. And I don't think I've always enjoyed that, but that's where I feel like I'm going to get to. And that's where I want to get to. And I guess for me, it's like to leave them, this is to make sure you talk about it more, even if it's talking to yourself in a journal. Um, to be successful in business and in family and in life, I know now to truly find that you have to be okay with yourself. And I'm there in a lot of ways, but I'm there, I'm not there in a lot of ways. So I just hope everybody, you know, that does listen, looks at this as that there is a, there is a way, there's a way out. That's not a way of negativity of positivity and, you know, surround yourself with smarter people and good people and don't be so egotistical that you can't do that. And, and I think that there's a lot of blessings that come from that. So hopefully that's uh I, didn't, I don't prep very well for this stuff. It's great to have a conversation. Uh, that's, that's
0: good, man. I, I, you know, I always just like to keep it as organic as possible. So that was perfect. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on, man. This, no, thank this you for awesome.
1: having me. It was great. I really appreciate it. Good luck with everything. And uh, Thanks, I can't brother. wait to hear the stories. You're going first, so I get, <laughs> I get to hear all about it. There's still a bit of those war stories I hear. So I'm excited to, to hear your feedback. So
0: where, where can everybody check you out and find out more about you?
1: The family, you know, the, the, the family on Instagram is uh, yeah. our, our website. Uh, I have two companies. One is unlistedbrandlab.com. Uh, that's my brand incubator with Candy Harris, amazing woman. And the family, F-A-M-I-L-I-E, is the athlete representation, music management, and art. Um, yeah, thefamily.com. And our Instagram is the family. I'm awesome. private personally, so it's yeah. a little tougher. But other that's than good. that, yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey, man, you got to keep your privacy. If that's what you feel, I mean, that's great. You know, that's... uh,
1: Yeah, maybe someday I could just get off of it. That would be nice. I think I've been thinking the same. I have a friend recently that she really, you know, she just went off just to finish on that too. She just went off and I know she was, you know, she's got 60,000, whatever it is. And um, she's also a very special person to me to realize that like I can find love and I can find a partner and all that sort of stuff. But the fact that she went off, I was like, God, this is possible. Like you can go off. It's just like, you got to make the commitment. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. For sure. Good luck with everything, man. I wish Thank you the best. You have fun down the free-
0: Thanks everybody. Check out Steve or go to, um, follow him on the family on social media. He's got a pretty private account for himself, which I don't blame him. <laughs> Such an awesome guys. You guys hear as you heard. And, um, interesting. And I'm looking forward to doing a follow-up episode with them on after both of our journeys and what our takeaways were and just to see where we're at. So make sure to subscribe wherever you're at guys. And keep in mind, we are available on YouTube as well. Much love. We'll catch you next time.